and welcome to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps podcast. Uh, David Levake back here with Jim Paulson. I missed you last week, sir. Glad to be back talking high school sports. Uh, we'll get into football signing day. We'll get into uh, the, the early look at, at the basketball seasons. And then a little special uh, look back at, at the year since we're running out of uh, Talking Preps shows for the 2021 calendar. So I, I that's, I look forward to getting all this to you, and, and uh, let's start it up with uh, with signing day. And where were you? What did you see? And, and what were your impressions of uh, of what you saw? Well, you know, first of all, I, hey, hey, David, welcome. <laughs> I should say that. Oh, what, I, what I saw, I was out at Minnehaha Academy again, which seems like every year um, there's a, a big name or two coming out of Minnehaha Academy. This year I went for uh, uh, Sanjay Red, the uh, running back, the quick shifty little running back is uh, signed to St. Thomas and Chase Carter, son of former Gopher basketball player, Randy Carter, um, had committed to Michigan state as a defensive end. And uh, he's about six foot six, about 215 pounds. And if uh, you'd have asked him two years ago, if he'd have ever be a, a college football player, he, he told me he'd have gotten mad at you. He always foresaw himself as a basketball player following his dad's footsteps. And I don't blame him. And he's big and his the father's big and, Basketball was their game, but Randy, his father, told me that uh, he had sat down with Chase a couple of times and said that you're a good basketball player, you've got decent size, but he said he thought his future was in, in football. And he made a good point, is that uh, basketball has a lot of guys that are about 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", about that, that length. Um, there, there's, there's, there's tons of them roaming around out there. In football, you get a guy that's foot 6'6", six foot six and can come hard off the edge as a, as a, as a defensive end. That's a lot more rare, and it showed up. At uh, uh, two years after he thought he was going to be a basketball player at Minnehaha, he committed to be a football player at Michigan State. So, congratulations to uh, to Chase Carter for, for getting that uh, uh, that D one uh, Power Five scholarship. Funny thing about that is, I asked him about uh, if there's any maroon and gold possibilities if he had contemplated them, and he said, you know, they they talked to me a little bit. They said, and they never made him a priority. They never really offered him. I think it came down to Michigan State and Iowa, and they weren't, the Gophers weren't, didn't seem like they were all that interested, which you've heard that before from other Gopher uh, coaches, um, particularly in basketball. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting as far as Chase Carter goes. How about you? Where were you? I had Lucas Heyer at Hill Murray. He is was ranked as the number one recruit in all of the state of Minnesota for the class of 2022. Uh, he had decided back in June, late June, matter, matter of fact, the last day of June, that he was going to go to Stanford, the Harvard of the West. And uh, we went out there just because of his, you know, the distinction that he held as the top recruit, just go out there and and uh, spend a little time with him. And I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I've seen him in concert a number of times. And, and so I'm used to him coming to stage and amid the cheers, the Bruce and the uh, the Hill Murray uh, football players and and friends of hires in the auditorium did the same thing only Luke, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, and then other people uh, and his family were referring to as Lukey, which is hysterical because my man's six five and three hundred pounds, you know. <laughs> but he he's that affectionately and with all respect, obviously. Well, he was he was he was that little boy, and he still is, mm-hmm. even, even when he got to be a big boy, you know. So I, I thought it was kind of touching and enduring, uh, endearing rather. So speaking uh, of uh, Bruce Springsteen, um, no. 
our man, our man, actually, you're you're the you're the big Springsteen fan. He just made bank, didn't he? Holy cow! Five hundred. Yeah, you'd hate to see him eating cat food. So good for him. Yeah, well, five five hundred million dollars for his uh, his uh, library of uh, work. That's uh, that's that's incredible. The man is half a billionaire just from selling his catalog. That's yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's impressive. Not that he was hurting to begin with, but uh, suddenly he he falls himself up into the upper echelon of the well-off, the wealthy. So. Every, every, everything you and I have written is in a system in the Star Tribune called Merlin. What do you think when we're done here, what do you think we could sell our uh, catalog of clips for? Uh, how much can we get for the password? You know, I look at it and I fail to see any real intrinsic value. Um anything so uh yeah but uh way to go springsteen i don't have anybody putting my my words to music and uh making them resonate i don't ever see that happening either so yeah well we're in scrapbooks and we're on refrigerators all over the metro and i, I take a lot of pride in that so yeah that's so we didn't we didn't get big in a, in a line of work that can pay very handsomely that's all right we we, we took it to a high level and, and i know that we've made connections out there and, and i'm proud of that so you know, it's Good really for us it's too. really interesting how you how you look at Springsteen's career over the years. I mean, back in the '70s, he was more kind of a I don't want to say of a of a dirtbag, but he's more kind of a shuffling along out in Asbury Park in New Jersey. He wasn't the working class hero that he became in the '80s. It's really interesting how his uh, how his career has taken uh, multiple turns without really ever you know, uh, uh, Without, with always being true to himself and true who he was as an artist, you know, I mean, you, you never see him, saw him do any real overt makeovers about who he was and what he was musically. I mean, there, there's some some trends and some paths he went down, but uh, that, that's that's Bruce Springsteen is a guy you'll always be able to respect because he's always true to what he was and to the music and to putting on a worthwhile show. And uh, uh, that's why you can never really say anything bad about what Bruce Springsteen has done in his what 50 year career. Yeah, it's yeah, it's funny because you think, oh, the '80s were just ten years ago. Nope, they were thirty years ago. So right. if you got rolling in the '70s, yeah, it's fifty years now. It's it's remarkable how time passes. And anyway, so moving right on. You know, we had the biggest. You know, people asked. I was asked at at hire ceremony about you know what's what's the buzz today. There wasn't really a ton of buzz other than maybe Emmett Johnson. Yeah, our, the the Mister Football and our Star Tribune Metro Player of the Year. Hadn't committed anywhere up until just recently. He got a, a late offer from uh, Nebraska, and uh, lo and behold, he took it. And yesterday, he signed with the University of Nebraska. And I think they're going to get a good one. I'm I, another one, uh, another player that I'm wondering why the Gophers couldn't figure out a way to get him. I mean, he's shifty. He can change gears. He can change uh, directions on the fly. He accelerates fast. He runs through arm tackles. I, you know, for a team that prides itself on its running game. I thought uh, uh, Emmett Johnson would have been a, a perfect fit for the University of Minnesota, at least to say you've got a Minnesota kid there. Um, but, uh, you know, there was another kid that leaves uh, the uh, uh, God's country up here to go to Nebraska. Uh, hopefully things work out better for him than uh, a few others have, like David Alston at uh, Woodbury, who's gone now, and uh, J.D. Spielman left Nebraska. Let's hope that they work out really well for him uh, when he goes there. Uh, Emma Smith is just a terrific kid. I was I was reminded yesterday. I do actually. I know recruiting can be a little bit of a uh, that can be a tough swallow sometimes because it gets murky in a hurry. 
but when the kids are up there and they're signing and the parents are there and the friends are there, teammates, I, I just, I, I always think it's just a kind of a nice vibe, you know, just to watch these young men or young women uh, making these, having these moments to celebrate what they've done this far and, and to, you know, focus in on what's next. And, and they're very proud and, and they should be. And it's, it's, it's a fun thing to, to bask in with them for a little while at their, at their schools or wherever they're making their announcements. So I, I did find myself sitting back and enjoying that yesterday. I agree with you. It's, it's, it's a big moment for families. It's a big moment for kids. It's something they've dreamed about all their lives and where they're, where they're going to go and how, uh, how, how their uh, high school athletic career is going to, a parlay into the next level and so it is something because everyone's beaming everyone's excited it's every it's to me it's kind of like graduation day you know it, your whole future is right ahead of you there it's it's laid out in front of you um and that's the time you should be the most proud one thing i wanted to say about recruiting however yesterday i don't know if you talked to anybody is that this year more than ever i i recruiting has kind of taken a back seat as the way i've uh, been looking at things uh, compared to the way the way it had in years past Due to the added years, so many uh, uh, college athletes are getting added to their uh, um, eligibility due to COVID and the uh, transfer portal. I talked to uh, Josh Thoreau, the athletic director at, at uh, Minha Academy yesterday, and he was telling me about a coach he knows. I think he said it was at Coastal Carolina. I think he's a basketball coach. And he said that coach there is not even recruiting high school kids anymore because it's just a transfer portal now that kids um, – you have a chance to look and see who might be out there that could help your team, who might be willing to leave if they're not getting the playing time they want. And their coaches are paying as much attention to that as they are to the high school kids. And either the coach said, if you're at, at a place like Coastal Carolina or a smaller school, uh, you sign a, a kid who really blows up in his freshman year, there's chances he's not going to be there the next year because of the transfer portal. So th they're recruiting kids who are kind of a second tier kind of a kid. Um, and uh, hopefully that they'll stick around or they'll they actually make the choice to go there. And I think that the transfer portal has really changed uh, where the way high school recruiting has gone. Yeah, I heard a little bit of that yesterday at, at Hill Murray. And, and uh, yeah, I, I boy, it's 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 it just gets more convoluted and hard to follow all the time. And, and you just hope that the kids aren't getting lost in a shuffle, you know, and, and that, that, you know, hopefully the kids that, that deserve an opportunity get it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a definitely, it's a changing landscape as far as that goes. And you consider that, I think that the, the Gophers signed what, five, five players from Minnesota, I think it was. Um, Tony Nelson and Tracy Milroy Ballot and Kristen Hoskins at Alexandria. Um, uh, Joy Gerlach at uh, Woodbury. Spencer Alvarez um, from Columbia Heights. Yeah, and um, there was one name I'm, I'm I'm forgetting right now, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, people are monitoring the college levels at the at the you know, and now as much as they're at the high school levels. And I'm wondering if that if any high school kids are feeling a little left out because of that. I mean, I I would have thought Emmett Johnson would have had a at least a couple of solid Power Five offers before the other day. So I wonder if he kind of got lost in the backwash. Well, not only the high school guys, but the JUCO guys. I mean, that, this is going to make their road a little bit tougher, too. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how you keep track of it, how you make make sense of it is beyond me. You know, I know that there's a lot of people who would like to go back to the old way, you know, that, that they think kids are being disloyal, that they're just up and leaving whenever they can. But coaches have always had that opportunity um, to get up and leave when, when they get a better job or something comes down the road. That's the same with the with administrations they've always been able to fire coaches if they want to and that, that 
um, didn't really ask the players that are there when they've had to do that. So it, it's 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 doesn't bother me as much as it might some other people, but uh, it's it's just a much more difficult landscape to traverse these days. Yes, it is. Well, I guess if that uh, closes the book on football, basketball season is underway, and uh, we had our basketball previews in the paper last week. But you know, we we've already uh, moved ahead in in this in the season, and and things are already starting to percolate both on the boys and the girls' side. And what has caught your eye thus far? Well, first of all, the previews. I want. I did also wanted to say something about those. Because there's so much information out there on basketball, who's playing with whom, who's playing which which club team. There's so many people out there that know uh, the insider information about what's going on. Those previews are generally intended just to kind of be an overview. It was never they're never tried to be comprehensive um, because it just would be impossible. There's for people that are re- picking up the paper and wondering who's going to be good. But if you're really knowledgeable and insider and insider in basketball, either boys or girls, there's a lot more information out there than than we were able to. Uh, um, put forth um that said with boys basketball i saw that uh, wyzetta the defending champions and the number one team in the state got beat by shakopee just last night which is uh, a big game i think that was a game where um, wyzetta had beat shakopee uh, pretty handily in the state semifinals last year um but um that was a big win for shakopee and, and, and nick katona who's the uh, the superstar about six foot six uh, uh swing man a uh, great player, long, lean, can can get to the rack, can rebound, and can uh, uh, good athlete and a great wide receiver for Shakopee for a team that didn't throw the ball, ball very much. He really stood out, so that's a big win for Shakopee. Also, the Tonotino Grace boys, number one team I predicted to be the number one team in Class 3A, and I think I was joined by a lot of people. Went out in the, their first game and uh, you know really hand, handed it to Anoka. I think they won by nearly 40. Uh, that's a team that's just loaded, and they added another player this year, and Johnny Lee out of uh, out of Byron, um, who's about six foot seven, six foot eight kid, is athletic and long, and and you know can strong and strong inside, but he can he can you know step outside if he has to and and fill it up. So watch Tatino Grace. I think they're going to be pretty fantastic this year, um, and if their first game against uh, uh, Anoka is any indication, uh, they're on the right track. No, I don't know. On girls basketball, I saw that uh, Hopkins beat Chaska, and this is a couple of weeks ago now, but that was um, you know, a rematch of last year's Class 4A semifinal game, which Chaska upset uh, Hopkins and uh, ended their long 78-game winning streak. So, you know, Hopkins got a little bit of revenge there, and I think Hopkins is once again going to be the team to watch. The thing is, you look at uh, girls basketball, Class 4A, it's all about the late conference this year. Even in the rankings are reflecting it. It's It's... Hopkins number one, Minnetonka number two, Wyzetta number three, and uh, Eden Prairie number four. So the top four teams in the Lake Conference are also the top four teams in Class 4A. So if you want to see uh, good basketball, just find a Lake Conference girls basketball game and you'll find one. Yeah, well, that's um, it's, it's the Gold Coast. They, they seem to have it going in, across the board in most sports. So that's, that's uh, you know, no surprise there, but, but you know, good to, good to see who comes out of that and what what happens and how what how it you know what 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 when what way it affects the postseason you know so it, you always you always pretty well pencil in a late conference team to be there toward the end. Three um, have, have go for uh, recruits on there. Go for signees on the team. You've got uh, Amaya Battle at Hopkins. You've got um, uh, Mara Braun at uh, Wyzetta, and you've got uh, Nia Holloway at uh, at uh, Eden Prairie. They're both uh, they're all three going to play for Lindsey Whalen at the U, and we can't. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention Chaska's Mallory Hire 
in that uh, in that group as well. So that'd be a that's a foursome a lot of people are really looking forward to seeing uh, in maroon and gold. Uh, only thing is they've got a whole high school season to go yet. So take a chance to see them now, and you can be able to see them at uh, at Williams Arena next year. I like it. You'd suggested uh, kind of doing a little something to put a little bit of a bow on the season. Uh, what uh, I, I will put you on the spot. What 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 memory or memories uh, stand out to you? Well, you know, now that it's the end of the year, everybody does their their reminiscence of the year uh, uh, past. Um, I think if, if you had to ask me two things from the these are 2021 that stood out to me, either end of last year or the start of this year, um, two, both of them come from uh, 2020-21. One was um, just watching how Chaska took care of Hopkins and Hopkins had that big winning streak in girls basketball. That was an upset. I don't think anybody saw it coming. I know Chaska was an extremely good team with some very talented players, but Hopkins always seemed otherworldly at that point. The way that they you know, defensively shut them down. They ran with Hopkins. They weren't they weren't afraid. They 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 attacked Hopkins when they had to. And they I think they showed Hopkins that teams can and are willing to play with them. And it, it opened Hopkins' eyes and showed the world that Hopkins could be beat. And I thought that was one of the uh, if I had to look at one state tournament memory memory, that would be it. Uh, watching uh, uh, Chaska go ahead and, and beat Hopkins, and then you know struggling to beat uh, a very very tough. Uh, Rosemount team in the finals, and they got it on the last second basket, uh, uh, backdoor play from higher to uh, Michaela Van Epps. So, the girls basketball tournament last year is one that really stands out for me. How about you, from a state tournament standpoint? Uh, probably Eden Prairie boys hockey. They went to overtime to beat Lakeville South, and, and finally got a championship after taking runner up the previous two seasons. And uh, the the game winning goal. Uh, was was scored by Jackson Blake and and he uh, you know he was in tears afterwards and and it really cut through some of the the concern and and even uh, cynicism about how much these state tournaments really meant considering we had limited crowds if crowds at all uh, we had you know reduced seasons how much did this all really mean and well you could see in that moment it meant a hell of a lot to him uh, and then it was kind of a a weird thing for me because when you were done. Uh, covering the hockey tournament, you had to leave the building almost immediately. And so I went over across the street to the hotel and and uh, was waiting for Eden Prairie to, to roll by on the team bus, which they finally did. And there I was sitting outside on West 7th uh, talking to a couple of the members of that team uh, for, for their impressions of the game. And I just thought, you know, A, that it's in April, B, that we're on the sidewalk outside, uh, just all of those factors. I... Uh, you know, it made for an interesting memory, but I don't. I hope we never have to repeat it. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I covered the uh, the wrestling tournament, the basketball tournament, both boys and girls basketball tournaments, sitting in my living room watching the TV broadcast. And I know that you probably did the same thing, contacting a lot of coaches and players ahead of time, getting phone numbers so that when the game was done, I give them a call. I talked to players back in the locker rooms. I talked to players when they're on their bus. I talked to players at home when they're going out to eat for dinner, all kinds of things. The only place I didn't talk to any of them was at the site. Um, so it, it, you can do it. Obviously, you can cover it without being there, but it just doesn't feel right. You just don't feel like you're doing the comprehensive job you'd like to do when you're not there in person. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And But, you know, we, we got it done to the best of our ability. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to being back in the building and uh, doing our work this winter. I know we've got some 
some issues arising and, and you know with COVID again, but I, I just feel like it's it's gonna be a different tournament experience and, and a more normal one and, and I look forward to that for sure. Yeah. You know, we talked about things that we remember from last year. You said you had a personal story that uh that uh, stands out from last season. What was that? Uh, not a story so much as a, a continuation of things. My daughter Michaela is a ninth grader at Stillwater and, and she wanted to come Stillwater played a football game at Eden Prairie. It was uh, what should have been MEA Wednesday was actually moved to Thursday on account of uh, available officiating. And so her and a couple of her friends came down with me. So I was covering the game and I, I told them now you're in it for the long haul. We're not leaving there until about 1045 at night. So, you know, it wasn't freezing cold, but you know, it was a little chilly, but I looked across, I had my binoculars in the press box and I looked across into the student section and I've looked into you know, seen hundreds of maybe a thousand student sections over my time. And, and then I, I picked her up way up at the top uh, with her, with her friends and having a good time. And I just, it was, it was very, you know, proud, I guess, but, but more just kind of like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a stadium with, with my daughter after all this time. And what a, what a cool experience to see her over there having a good time and, and, you know, having a team play well on the field and, and all that. So I, I was, it was, it was fun to kind of enter this, uh, overlap now between her high school career and my profession. You know, I, I did the same thing when my son was younger. I took him to a couple of uh, state tournament games back when passes were much easier to come by. And he sat in, in the press box with us a couple times at some state tournament uh, uh, football games. One time we spent the whole game at uh, against Tatino Grace, a championship game versus Rogers, uh, on the field, which he thought was the coolest thing ever because if he, could, if he wasn't playing on the team, uh, you know, he was able to brag to his friends that he was standing on the field. I think this was at the Metrodome, and uh, and be a part of the uh, whole state tournament experience. And and I was it was kind of fun to have my son there. And you know, we'll see that they're a little bit proud of what Dad's do, doing down there. I kind of I I can remember what you're talking about. Talking about. I kind of identify with that. Um, then and by the other side of the coin, um, the uh, ignominy is nature of this uh, of this job. The uh, the uh, the glamour, obviously. And that really does not exist. Last year's state uh, um, softball tournament down at Caswell Park in Mankato. And you've got everything going on at one time. Uh, all the games getting over roughly around the same time. So I'm running around trying to cover four games at once, get interviews from all the different teams and different players as they go, and then go back and sit upstairs in, in uh, an outdoor um, uh, seating area at Caswell Park and, and write my game stories. Well, slowly as my game story started getting done, I'm finding one after the other, and fans start to file out. Then staff starts to file out. Then league personnel starts to file out. And finally, the only people that are left there are me and the last two people at Caswell Park. And someone comes to me and says, hey, can you just lock up the gate? We'll leave it open, and you can just lock it when you leave. And sure, so I was the last one in the place. Well, guess what? They forgot to leave it open. I went out to leave, and I was completely locked into Castle Park. There was not a, an opening in a fence, the 10-foot fence that surrounds the entire place, anywhere. And there wasn't anybody else in the place. And I'm in my 50s, man. I, I'm i not going to be climbing over these fences and throwing my, my, uh, my backpack over and then uh, and climbing down on the other side. I, I gave that a shot, and the fence was wobbling a little bit. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. I had to wait 45 minutes for somebody from the North Mankato Police to come open the gate to help get me out. They had to they had to call a maintenance guy to come and open it up. Uh, made me feel a little bit sheepish and realized how insignificant and small you really are and uh, that no matter how much you uh, um, are proud of what you do with the uh, uh, covering high school sports, uh, there's still the occasional little uh, um, 
slap in the face, the uh, the uh, lack of respect when you get locked in and there's no way out. Um, it, it it brings you back down to earth. So that that was my my remembrance from last year is is thinking, can I climb over that fence? I don't think so. I think I'd die. And uh, thanks to the Mankato police for actually coming out and being understanding. I think they were smirking a little bit about this guy stuck there, but I appreciate them coming out and helping me out. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on wood. That's still not happened to me, and <laughs> I hope to keep it that way. Yeah, those sorts of things happened to me. It used to happen to me more back when I actually used to sit in the press box after games and write, um, because they want people don't realize you're still there. They're closing thing up, things up. It uh, hasn't happened to me since I started bringing my things into my car and writing after games, but. Uh, that one, it just couldn't be avoided. And uh, at least it was a warm day. I wasn't stuck out in the rain or anything. So, yeah, Well, we appreciate the dedication to craft and, and staying in there to get the job done. Well, <laughs> it took a little time to, to get on you with the rest of your evening. Yeah, it's happened once. I'll make sure I'm going to make it a point of making sure it doesn't ever happen again. So let's get listeners on with the rest of their day thanks for being here everybody and uh we appreciate you very much and uh, we look forward to talking to you if not again in 2021 not long into the new year thanks a lot